Hello listeners, welcome to Brother Brother Podcast, part therapy, part tongue-in-cheek, all real talk. This is episode four, and our topic today is uh, when racism works in your favor. John, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. I can't really complain. It's almost the end of the week for me, um, and I just got a new couch for cheap, so. Oh, that's awesome. good. Dumpster diving? Uh, no, I bought it out of a house, thank you. <laughs> Craigslist? <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Browsing that single section, you dirty dog. You're married. Oh, sh- <laughs> Keep it on the down low. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Yeah. Totally kidding. Yeah, it's been a while since we've been able to get together to podcast because, well, you've been moving and, um, you know, it's just been a hectic time to try and get shit st- uh, get together to do something. But we're back. Uh, so like, there's a lot of stuff that happened and some of this old, but that's not going to prevent us from talking about it. Yeah. Let's know, see. Let's see what's happening in the news, Reg. Yeah. And a happy kafefe to you, my brother. Oh yes, dude. I had so much kafefe today. I had some with, with milk and cream this morning, some kafefe at lunch, uh, kafefe everywhere. Well, you know, I'm <laughs> diabetic, so I had to have that, uh, sugar-free kafefe, but it's still uh, tasty. I mean, how you put some kafefe on with some sugar from kafefe? It's kafefe fest. <laughs> yeah, uh, you'd have to be living under an incredible rock to not know what kafefe is. But let's talk about it anyway, just because it's such an interesting phenomenon. But Donald Trump uh, tweeted out that um, he he basically tweeted out this word kafefe when he was complaining about uh news coverage and how he's so great even though um there's been a the lot media of, hates him yeah the media hates him there's been a lot of bad kafefe or, or whatever and then like the, twitter the internet went fucking batshit insane because it was one of those things it was like we have to capture this moment before the, he takes it away and deletes it and that tweet was up for like six seven hours and i i re- remember um when it first came up i was like Kafefe. and then everybody was like just like a, a mind explosion and i was up at like two o'clock tweeting with people <laughs> Kafefe. it was fucking hilarious and i was like you know what the people on the east coast are gonna wake up and be like Kafefe, what the fuck is this all about <laughs> So what was your Kafefe experience? <laughs> I woke up in the morning and for some reason I didn't check my cell phone or get online before I went to work. I didn't check. I didn't watch uh, the news or anything. And I got – I think I got to work, turned my phone on. I was just like, what the fuck is Kafefe? I didn't even know how to say it. I know what it was. And then I went on Twitter and I, it was just a glorious – Mana from heaven in all the right ways. And the best thing about the whole Kafefe thing was like, for once I felt like there weren't even really like Trump supporters who were, who were, um, who were defending it. Like everyone was just taking part in it. And it was such a unique thing to see and an amazing thing to witness because not only did you get to see like Twitter come together in this moment of just pure bliss, but then you got to see like the opposite side, like the psychological mental breakdown 
of Trump trying to defend it and then Sean Spicer having to go on and defend Trump's defense of a fake word that was obviously an, an error and, you know, yeah. it was, uh, it was, it, it was, and I think the, the saddest thing about it was, you know, Trump could have just been like, Hey, I made a goof and, you know, enjoy it. Laugh, you know, laugh it up fuzzball type thing you know like we've all done that before where we made it done something embarrassing and we're just like okay i'm just gonna have to take the piss and 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 endure the jokes while they last you know but like this guy is so freaking pathologically insane that he instead of just you know doing what normal people would do and, and and take it on the chin he tries to pass it off like it was a real word you know like like, like we all didn't see through that, you know, and it's just one of those moments where he keeps doing this stuff, you know, but it, the stakes were so low. It made no sense why exactly. He, you know, and it's like, and, and this is, I think that's one of those moments where I think a lot of, for some people is kind of a, I don't know, a, a turning point. I think and maybe I, I'm over uh, playing it, but it seemed like there were people like, if you can't even do this, for a stupid word like that, you know, I, I don't know. It just, well, it's a perfect example. Why is what his lies and whatnot are so dangerous? Because if he's going to lie about a typo, what, you know, how can we trust him when he wants to go to war or something like that? You know, not only that, I found it interesting was how many GOP strategists and talking heads who, after the whole Kafefe thing, you know, laughed it off at first, but then when he defended it, then obviously made Sean Spicer walk out and defend it in front of the press. They were, like, openly saying, maybe there's something wrong with him mentally. Like, maybe he doesn't have the facilities to be president. And it's one of those things where it makes me think, like, you know, I think it's very obvious he's a case, a, um, a case study, a perfect case study uh, example of narcissism. But, like, now it makes you think that it's like narcissism on overdrive to the point where he might do something dangerous or get the nation into something dangerous over his ego or his right. inability to tell the truth and be mature to just be a normal human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so that's just something that uh, it was a, a funny moment that turned into something that, you know, it could be serious if, if you look into it. Or, or whatnot, but um, let's let's move on to, I guess, what's kind of a sad story. It is a sad story, but uh, the police officer who killed Tamir Rice was fired, uh, and not for the reason that you would think. Um, Tamir Rice was a kid who was killed in uh, Cleveland. Uh, the, basically, if you don't know the story, uh, somebody reported a, uh, somebody was uh, playing with or, or walking around with a gun or whatnot. Then the police showed up and uh, they, they drove up almost on top of him and jumped out of the car and killed him. And turned out that the person that people were scared about or, or the, who the caller called about was uh, was Tamir Rice, who was, what, 12 years old at the time? And- 12 years old. And to be fair to the caller, the caller did say in the call that some, it looks like someone's walking around with a gun pointing at people. It's probably a kid. The dispatch person did not did not deliver that message to the police officers, but the police officers basically shot him within under a second and a half of getting out of the car. Yeah. And, uh, 
So, like, after what was it? Like a year of investigation, the Cleveland basically um, stalling. Yeah, yeah, basically stalling, and Cleveland decided that they didn't do anything wrong. And what was funny was, the, what the only person that got fired from that was a dispatch person. Yep. You know, so it's like, I don't know. It's just, it's frustrating because, you know, it's another example of how uh, there's like no justice for, for, um, when you're killing uh, black people or whatnot. And, but the reason we brought it up is because the person, the police officer did get fired. And it was because during the investigation, they found out that he lied about, uh, lied and misrepresented himself on his application. So, like, he got fired not for killing a kid, but for, like, a clerical error. Which is just, I mean, it tells you everything about the American justice system. It's like, you know, it's, there's, one, there's just obviously a lack of justice when it comes to the way the police um, deal with people of color. Uh, another recent example is a lawsuit uh, in, I want to say it's also in Ohio, um, uh, where an officer broke the jaw of a, I want to say, 14-year-old girl. I think um, she was 17. But she's a teenager. Teenager, still. A, a, yeah. a non-violent um, youth. Uh, he broke her jaw and then, after breaking her jaw, took her outside, uh, made her sit on the stairs while she bled from her mouth, refused to call an ambulance even though she requested one. And that guy is still... Um, it's still a police officer. You yeah. know, it's just like it's a system where when they do wrong, they they're protected not only by their police department but by the prosecutors. And it's just insane to think that, despite you know, film of the incident, despite the fact that this child um, broke their jaw, like it's this person is still in a job and they, there was internal discussion and retraining. Like that's, that's like, you shouldn't have to have training to know not to get physically violent with a nonviolent teenager. And, and you shouldn't have to get training to know not to break somebody's jaw when they haven't done anything to you. You know, I mean, his excuse at the time was that she mouthed off to him and it's like, and you know, I mean, this that's is not a, a, that's not a crime. That's right. Exactly. That's not a crime. And, 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 the, and the people, it, it's frustrating too, is how the public responds to things like this, where they're like, well, they shouldn't mouth off. They should know that police, you know, that's not that, that's victim blaming. Like, it doesn't matter. If, if you're not threatening or physically, uh, um, confrontational, then you shouldn't have violence done upon you. Exactly. And, and we should not accept that that's the way, that shouldn't, you know, this whole thing that, that, well, that's how things are. No, no, I'm sorry. That's just not acceptable. Well, the thing for me, the thing I find most insulting and just most baffling is, and is the way that people just ignore violence that the police and authorities do to other people. Like, think of any other job. If that had been a bar and he had done that to a patron, a patron that he told to get out, oh, you're going to have to leave this establishment. I don't want to leave or fine. I'm leaving, but whatever, whether they curse at him or not, if he had then grabbed them, slammed them, broke their jaw, then put them in a half Nelson and threw them out, he would be going to prison. 
that yeah. bouncer would be going to prison. But because they have a badge, somehow it's allowed. And not only are they not fired, not charged. I mean, it, it's 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 baffling, and it's hard to see these things continue to happen. Yeah, and um, talking about things that continue to happen. How many more excuses are we going to get from uh, Hillary Clinton? How much more crap are we going to learn about her and, and, and her dealings and things like that? And like, I'm really at the point where I just don't understand why she won't just go the fuck away. And, and I think we may have talked about this in our last episode. Um, but it's just like, again, she's here, you know, it's like every week her and Trump just won't let the, the election go. And I, I'm, you know, I'm tired of it. Like this week we found out what she had, um, prisoners or, or, and, and you know, what's funny about this. I don't understand why a lot of this stuff is coming out now when, you know, these aren't new revelations. They were there because she wrote it down in her book. So I'm like, why the fuck does this stuff, why is this stuff, you know, is coming out now? I'm very well, confused. The thing for me is just like, why is she still around? Like, you lost, and, like, you need to just go on and do something else. Speaking tours, you know, if you want, I, I'm assuming public office is done for you once you lose a president. You lose a presidency twice, once in the primaries, once in the national elections. So if you're not running again in 2020, then just go sit down. Go sit on a beach somewhere. Go do what Obama's doing. Just like chilling and being invisible and only showing up doing something awesome. Either looking awesome, doing something awesome, being somewhere awesome. Like stop with the excuses unless you're going to actually accept all of the excuses. You're right. Uh, stop with the rationales of like, well, the Russians cheated me and, you know, voter suppression and the youth didn't show up and super predator comments were and the, uh, Comey and the emails and it's like listen those are all good and well but you still lost and even if it finds out that Trump worked with the Russians you're not getting into the office that's how it works and you know what I really fear I fear that she is angling for a 2020 run Dude, there's no way. There's no. You know what? I almost would love for her to run in 2020 just so I could see the Democratic Party completely fracture because that's what would happen. It would be total meltdown, and not because of like the Bernie Bros and all that other stuff. Just because all the progressive and independent people who said we can't trust her and that she's not a good candidate, if they ran her again, it would just be the death knell of the DNC. I don't like literally. It would. It, it would probably be the best chance for a third party to win. Because if Trump somehow made it through four years and Clinton ran again as a Democrat being like, we're going to fix the error that happened in 2016. That's when you're like, Bernie, go independent and just take the middle. Well, here's a question. If she did run in 2020, and I know this might be a, a fantasy pipe dream or something it, it might not even happen but if she were to run in 2020 would you vote for her no no e fucking way even knowing what trump has done and all that it, it no this was the best way to get fucking way that's no way because here's the thing about your principles the reason why i didn't vote for her last time is because i can't trust her i think she's a neocon dressed as a neoliberal um I, I, she's a flip flopper. She is bank owned. She's big corporate. So she's everything I stand against. 
Like she basically got dragged to the left by Bernie Sanders. Imagine what her platform would have been like if Bernie Sanders hadn't been there. No increase in the federal minimum wage or at best like a up, move it up to like $11 incrementally. Fuck that shit. Nothing about free college. That was never even in her plans until Brandy brought that up. Mm-hmm. She would still have been about still receiving money and funding private prisons. He and, and Black Lives Matter are mainly Black Lives Matter, but, um, they're the people who drew attention to all those things. Like if Bernie wasn't there, you would have gotten a Mitt Romney like a, a democratic version of Mitt Romney is what you would have gotten out of Hillary Clinton. Yeah, I totally agree, but I don't, I honestly think if, God forbid, God forbid. But if she did run and it was Trump versus Clinton all over again, I would vote for her just to get people like Steve Bannon and 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 uh, Sessions and all those freaking weirdos and racists out of the office. I would, I'd bite that bullet and I would do it and and drown my sorrows in some liquor. But I would, it would be something I would have to do. I would vote third party and I move out of the country. <laughs> But uh, the reason we brought her up is because uh, it, it it was a big story on Twitter that I, apparently she had house slaves, or I, I guess that's the debate. You know, a lot of people were saying, well, they they were prisoners, they weren't slaves. But um, I guess my question is, because you were probably more into that conversation than I was, uh, but but what are your opinions on that? I think it's ridiculous to call them slaves, even if they're unpaid. Um, that would seem to me to be the very definition of slavery. No, because they are actual criminals. It's, it's not as if someone bought them and sold them. They have rights as individuals. They're not even indentured servants. Like they, it's, cause if they're, if they're slaves and whenever you see people working on the side of the road, they're slaves too. Um, like if, how is, how is it any different? Cause the people who get those jobs, are in those jobs, not necessarily getting training, but they're in those jobs because they qualified for early, because that will go towards early release. That will go towards, you know, getting them into a, out of a minimum, a maximum or a moderate into okay, a minimum security. Thing. Like, I'm not that, saying the people that do that, that side of the road stuff for the most part, and I know that's not true everywhere, but for the most part, they're, um, you know, people who, who are sentenced to like community service. So that's why I mean I get what you're saying, but I would like in, and again I, I'm speaking with a bit of ignorance on this topic, and when I say ignorance, I don't mean on exactly. Um, I'm talking about the details. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, from what I understand, these people were basically household staff, and they were slave. I mean, not slaves, but they were prisoners, but prisoners who were household staff and. I think, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Just There's something, and maybe optics is, is worse than what actually happened. And, and again, I'm not, I don't know all the details, but it seems like when you have a bunch of black people who are- They weren't all black. Okay. Well, again, see, thank you for correcting me. But I still think that it's wrong to have all these people who are prisoners- basically be your household staff when you could hire real people to do that you know but you're basically and this goes to my whole beef with private prisons is that you're getting prisoners to do things that if you 
had other people do, and you can and probably should have other people do it, you'd have to pay a whole whole lot more. But they're getting away from having to pay and shill out more money by making prisoners do these things. That's why I don't, you know, it, it seems very much in the slavery category. In the same vein that I say that, you know, private for-profit prisons that use uh, prison labor is slavery. I agree with so I agree with the morality on the economic side of things and the fact that like um you could hire people to do those jobs which would be more money insurance yada yada blah 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 I agree with all that but as a person who has done a lot of research on state federal and private um prisons especially um so for those of you who have cable and watch MSNBC any time on Saturday. They have a great series called Lockup, and it's been on for about, I want to say, greater part of a decade, maybe longer. So they basically have been following, you know, prisons from like the 80s, 90s, 2000s into the modern time. They every they visit the same prisons that they've gone to. They expand to now that they have more money to other prisons around. So I understand a little bit of this practice in the sense that the people who are in these things it's it's almost similar to like if you send someone in a uh who's in a moderate or minimum facility to a halfway house where they work with a counselor or they're working with dogs where they're training dogs service dogs or whatever and they're also not getting paid for that um but it's 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 counting for extra time off so they're losing lots of time off their sentence it's it's accelerating their parole it's may even just qualify them for a direct parole um, I understand the optics of it. I just don't think it's that cut and dry. And I think that if it was any other person, they wouldn't be calling it slaves. It just, it seemed so petty of people who hated Hillary Clinton to try and use that. Um, and to, to like. So you're okay with her using these? It's, I'm not. In this fashion? I'm not, I'm so, like, I'm, I'm of two minds of it. Because here's this is the way I look at it. It's easy for me, a person outside, to say, "Oh, they shouldn't be used that way." But if I'm a guy who's in prison, because and, and this is the thing, like there are people who are in these programs. Because there's another program like this. Um, I want to say Wabash, which I think is Wyoming, where they basically have these people who work with uh rescue dogs and also work and train they train service dogs rescue dogs and like um uh like mount basically the dogs that work on mounds and work in search and rescue and a lot of these guys that are in these programs are people who have who were um like murderers who went from having a 20 years to life sentence to having uh a 15 to, or 15 years of parole to then showing like people have been able to use these programs to show that they are a rehabilitated person and are been, have been able to reenter into society. I, I, yes, and, okay, I see what you're getting, and I don't think I have a problem with those programs. I think the difference is those programs; those people are actually providing. I mean, you know, they're training service dogs or whatnot. That's a real service. That's a real skill that you can take out into the real world. But there's no real skill or real. I mean, yeah, there's the cleaning aspect, I guess. Hospitality, yeah. you could become a chef, you could become management, because there are people who, who worked in those programs who 
use those skills because that's the thing. Like for each state has a different level of what they can do. Like if you're the only prison in like Western Wyoming, then obviously you probably have more money to have a more extensive program. Like I said, I, I would have to know the complete details of it before I could say it's just slavery. Like what I think of, of slavery, I think about like, there's a prison in, I want to say Alabama or Mississippi. It's like, it's, it's one of those like really rough prisons where, you know, they sleep like in wooden buildings for the most part and they like dig rocks during the day and they are forced to grow their own food and like guys ride it, like the officers ride around on horses with shotguns. Like it's like that shit to me is like slavery esque. Like if there are some programs and they're like, if you don't, if you, Say you got sentenced to two years and they're like, all right, time for you to work the fields. And you're like, I'm not fucking doing that. They can add time onto your, whatchamacallit. Mm-hmm. Like, like that to me is slavery. So when I know that there are programs like that that exist and then compare it to a program where it's like giving people who normally wouldn't, who would be in a cell, like something else to do. I just think if I was in that situation, if you told me, Hey, they're going to make you work this job, but you're going to be outside of a prison and you're going to be doing something besides sitting in a cell for eight to 12 Look, hours. A day. I'm not saying it's not good for the, the prisoners because it is, but I think again, I think that's probably where I have part of the problem is that it is a bit of manipulative and taking advantage of a situation because like you said, they could do this and get some time served off, but that doesn't, make it a good idea i just don't think there's anything i i don't i guess i just don't see the downsides besides the fact that you could be giving those jobs to other people who like who aren't in prison but i think that's kind of the problem one of the problems with the prison system is the fact that one especially one of the gripes i always say is the prison systems they don't rehabilitate people they don't give them real opportunities you know there are some prisons that do a good job of giving ged and college courses but that's not most prisons Mm -hmm. like most prisons it's just dudes sitting around mingling with other criminals learning from other criminals like i'm not saying that this is perfect and i think the the thing the way to fix it is to just pay them like you know while they're doing that work even if it's money that goes into an account that can be used for when they leave for, for if they have child support if they have if they want to buy special things so what whatever i don't care what it is like i think that would be the thing i don't think the one i don't think it's slavery and two i don't think it's i don't think the problem is the fact that they are working i think the problem is the fact that they weren't being paid and if they were and if they were benefiting um, by early, like by accelerated time off, by access to leniency on appeals, like if those things were were happening, then I think then that should be publicized. But if those things weren't happening, it was just like, hey, we picked twelve people at random, and now they're not in the cell. Like, I don't know. I just feel like I would even I would need more information, and I still don't think it's slavery. Okay, you heard it here. The internet was right. Liberals were defending slavery. I'm not a liberal, <laughs> by the way. I'm a progressive, so. Let's move on to another interesting story. Um, Bill Cosby's trial started, what, this week? Yeah, finally. And finally. After after years and years of, uh, I guess, it, it became widely known that he was 
suspected of drugging women's uh, drinks, and then uh, basically uh, he's a serial, uh, alleged serial rapist. Um, I think when you get to about, what, 50-some-odd people complaining? I think it's 47. Okay, 47. Either way, <laughs> you can kind of take away the alleged bit. But, uh, yeah, so that trial is going on, and I just wanted to bring it up. I want to know, John, where do you sit on this? I mean, you know, we don't so, know anything. Again, we're speaking from a degree of, of ignorance, but... Um, um, so, here's just my your thing. Opinion. I think that... I think he, I don't know if he did it specifically in this case. Um, actually no, if this is the one with the deposition, I definitely think he did it. I don't know if he did all 47 people. I'm sure some of the women who accused him are lying. Um, but I think that you should take each of their claims seriously until you can prove that they are lying. I know there was one lady who has already been disproved, like he was giving a speech the day the night she said he attacked her like she gave like four dates and like three of them were wrong like like way wrong um so and she had tried to get money from him before so like those cases you 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 do the research you wash it clean but i think you take every other you take all each case seriously as seriously as if there was a deposition um my only issue is I know there was something weird about how this case got um, into the court of law because uh, I know that it was a big deal. Like it was used um, between the two, I want to say DAs who were running in the county mm-hmm. and the guy who won was the guy who was like, I'm go- don't worry, I'll go get Bill Cosby. And the other guy was like, you know, we don't really have a legal standing to um, for this. Um, but... It was one of those things where I'm like, I, f- I don't know if if this is if this is legally right. I haven't really followed it. I don't know if they appealed whether or not. Um, I assume they did. Obviously, the trial is going on, but for me, it's one of those things where like I don't know if it's an ugly win. I don't know if it's a dirty win. But if it's a win and he gets put in tri- put in jail, then I, it's okay by me. Hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I'm kind of when, you know, this first started to come out um, early on, I was like, I, I honestly thought it was kind of bullshit at, at, at the beginning because it was just like, it, and this is coming from a person. I understand why I understand the psychology and all that of of uh, rape victims like i understand how oh, so many rape victims decide not to report the rapes because um they don't think they'll be believed because they're afraid that the person you know has some sort of status and whatnot so i get all that but then there was part of me that was like i just i if it, it, i don't know part of me was maybe it was just a part of me that you know, kind of grew up with Bill Cosby and, you know, kind of respected him for, you know, some of the stuff that he said. But I was just like, it seemed so weird that, I mean, we were talking about back when, what, Bill Cosby was in, what, the 60s or something? You know, he's being accused of this. And I was like, you know, some of the women, I was like, this is back in a time when cops didn't even need a reason to, to beat up a black guy. And you're telling me, you know, 
you know, so like there was part of me that kind of believed that, but then it was like just so many women and like all the details were the same. It was like, doggone, this guy was serial raping throughout, you know, his for, career, for decades, his whole career. And then on top of it, you hear some of the horror stories of like Lisa Bonet on the set of the Cosby show. And it was like, doggone, like I, now I'm at a point where I'm like, I'm pissed that so many people let him get away with this. Exactly. You know? I mean, it's... the the fact that Hannibal Burris, you know, somebody who's our age was bringing this up and it was like, it was so well known by people in the comedian, you know, in that world, but not known at all in the people outside of it. It was like, doggone, it's just so disgusting that this would, you know, be allowed to continue on. It's like, God, man, it's so, it, it, it pisses me off how, for a country that's always talking about think of the children, think of the women, and, and, and all that bullshit, we really don't care about that stuff. You know, I mean, you could rape a woman and be out before this, you know, before the Olympics are done. You know, and it's, that's just, it's disgusting. Be out before the Olympics are done. They might not charge you. Like the, the, that's the thing of like, depending upon who you are in the circumstances, God forbid she showed a little bit of attention to you. Oh yeah, she came over. She was holding his hand. The number of excuses that are given for guys who end up being guilty later is ridiculous. Oh, I saw them kiss once. Oh yeah, she went, she accepted the date. Well, look what she was wearing. Right. Like, and, and, and that's the thing I always think is so funny, especially around Mother's Day. That's the thing that gets me. It's the way like, all these guys are talking about the stuff they're getting their wives and how all the commercials are like, oh, treat your your woman as a queen. Women are are queens here. And we talk about how badly, you know, the Arabs treat their women and stuff like that. And it's like the number of one in five women are raped by like by the age of 18, I think, or are sexually inappropriately touched sexually by the age of like 18. One in and five. It's worse, and it's worse on college campuses. Exactly. That's just, that's before they get to college. One in five. That means there are shitloads of dudes who are doing this stuff and then going home and acting like women are all that. It, it, and the thing that gets me is just like, don't you guys have mothers and wives and sisters? Yeah. And you're going to let this dude – you would murder someone if they did that to your daughter. But you're going to let Bill Cosby do this and you're going to help him cover it up and you're going to discredit women? It blows my mind the fact that Victims still have to go through such lengths to get someone to even put in the effort to try. And, and, and what's help. worse is it's not even changing. You know, like I, when we talk about things like, um, you know, uh, for instance, uh, Tamir Rice shooting or, or other shootings like that or, or, or police brutality, you know, we can always end that conversation. Well, at least things are changing. We're, we're seeing the change, you know. Because even if these cops aren't aren't being um, convicted all the time, the charges are being brought, which is you know a far cry from where we were. But you look at the that the sexual assault on on campuses, sexual assault um, anywhere, and and that's a funny thing. It's like it's not just rich people getting away with it. I mean, that kid who who uh, went and raped that uh, the, the swimmer, you know, he came from oh Brock Turner, yeah. A, a middle class background, you know. This guy didn't have a lot of money, but he got away with it. Why? Because the judge didn't want a rape trial or a rape to uh, ruin his to life. ruin his life. It was like the idea that 
a man can rape a woman and the, and the court will then look and say, well, how will this affect you? Is bullshit. And you can be something special. Yeah. And, 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 and it's not even a, a, a race thing because black, white, it doesn't matter. If you're a dude, you go before the right judge and it doesn't seem like the right judge is hard to find. And with a decent attorney, you might get away with, with raping a woman. And, and, the, and the worst part about it is the, the, the equation to get off is so simple. Discredit the person, discredit the victim, make it seem ambiguous as whether or not there was, um, you know, consent or not. And then, God forbid, there was alcohol or drugs involved, you know, whether the person was on it or was around. And then, bam, you know. And it blows my mind to think that the courts and the prosecutors and the police, like, I can't remember who it was. Um, there was a police department recently that just got um, hit with a huge investigation and, and fined by the, the Justice Department because they had just tons and tons of rape kits. They think they had it run like 15 years worth of rape kits. Yeah. And it's because like, the police didn't think about it. The police didn't think it was worth it. Like, as a matter of fact, there was a, 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 um, a crowd, a crowdfunding, um, effort because some Texas legislators refused to test 20,000 rape kits. They were just gonna get rid of them. And it's like, how can we have this still occurring? How can we have like that kid, um, I want to say he was out west who raped his sister and he rapes his younger sister and his mother and father come to his defense. How can we have this continuing to happen? Yeah. And, and, and I'd like to also point out that this, for a country that's so hung up on sex, we, we seem to have this laissez-faire because it, attitude when it comes to sex crime. Because it's not, you know, we speak mostly about women because, you know, that's who the most of these victims are. And, and we see all these guys getting away with it. But, you know, it's not just women, too. Like, guys who get raped, you know, they're, they're it's even worse for them. There was this case in Idaho where this these kids were bullying uh, this kid who had special needs or whatever, you know, and they raped him with a uh, freaking uh, uh, a hanger. Hanger. And everybody walked away with that from that scot-free. And it's just, I don't, it, it's, you know, it's kind of depressing. Uh, I would hope things would be changing, but uh, I guess until, I, I don't even know what it would take. But, um, yeah, so... I don't know. I, I I get that Bill Cosby's old as hell, and if he does get convicted, he'll probably die in prison. And I hope that happens. If he's yeah. guilty, and, and yeah. it, it kind of feels like he is. If you read his deposition, you're like, this motherfucker did it. Like it, it's it doesn't feel like it's in doubt. Oh God. But. Uh, moving on uh, to our last story, uh, the cost of bigotry. Uh, this town in um, New Jersey. Jersey. Yeah, they denied a mosque uh, a permit to to um, to create a mosque to this Islamic group. Um, 
and they just uh, settled out of, did they settle? I think, yeah, they settled out of court. Uh, $3.25 million uh, is what it's going to cost them to settle this thing. And like, even the Justice Department came in and was like, what you guys did was wrong. And basically what they did is when, when they tried to get the permit, then they kept, uh, they denied the permit, then they kept expanding zoning laws and rules and things like that so that they could never, uh, uh, you know, uh, they could never satisfy the laws or, or whatever. So basically moving the goalposts so that they could, they couldn't get this mosque. And, uh, this started in 2011 and it finally came to pass that, uh, you know, they'll be able to build their mosque and they have $3.25 million to do it. And um, it's funny, too, because they're like, this is not an isolated incident. There are other uh, towns that this has happened to, uh, a town nearby called uh, Bridgewater Township. Uh, they're out $8 million for a settlement for doing the same thing. <laughs> so it's like, uh, it's good. It's, 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 it's good to see, you know. So, yeah, bigotry is going to cost you guys. So uh, uh, be careful. Say something. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah. So basically, sometimes uh, racism does work in your favor, which is our main topic. Um, and, and this came up because there's a Dave Chappelle skit that he does. You can find it on YouTube, and we'll probably put it in the show notes if I'm if we're not too lazy. And I'm talking to Jonathan since he does the show notes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, but Dave Chappelle was talking about how sometimes, you know, racism isn't all bad. Sometimes it does work in your favor. You know, it doesn't happen often, but, uh, and then he told the story about, uh, basically about terrorists taking over a plane and how he knew he was safe because terrorists don't take black hostages because they're basically not, you know, they're not valuable. (laughs) So yeah, we wanted to talk about that because, yeah, racism is bad, and we talk about that quite often if you follow us on, on Twitter or anything like that. You know, it's one of those things like I, we talk about it because we can't not see it, you know, so I'm not going to not talk about it. But um, yeah, so we wanted to talk about the upside of it because, like Ch- Chappelle said, it doesn't happen often, but sometimes it does happen. So and there are upsides. They are. <laughs> Right, there are upsides. Trust like, me. You wouldn't think that they are, but I've—I'm not gonna lie. I've saved some money because of of uh, <laughs> the upside of racism. You know. Oh yes. I've gotten out of things because of the upside of racism. <laughs> A lot, of, and that's the thing. It's like it, there have been moments where you're like, "Oh, this is not gonna work," and you're like, "Oh, wait a minute! Wait a minute! <laughs> right? Turn on the black." <laughs> but uh i want to go first talk uh when i and, and i want to talk about a, a particular story and and the funny thing about this story is um it's not something that happened once it has happened multiple times but uh jonathan lives in the boston area and i live in, in uh, charlotte north carolina so like i visit him about once a once a year, I'll go up and visit Jonathan. And like the first time I went up to visit you, um, I I take a train. Basically, I take a train out to from Boston, and and you pick me up, right? Yep, but, I met you halfway right. in Salem. 
you had you met because you were working in Salem, so you met me on the. You're like, get on this train. Let me know what train you're on, and and I'll meet you on the train. So you did that. So I'm on my train. I bought my ticket. The conductor comes down. I give him my ticket. He he stamps it, and they put it like on the chair behind you, so they they know who they bought tickets from. And then you get on, and you're like in this rush, and I'm like, the train's not leaving anytime soon. So you 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 get on, and you say to me, scoot over, scoot over. And I was like, what? He says, scoot over. <laughs> and I scoot over. You say, don't say anything. As the train starts moving, the conductor's coming by, <laughs> getting over his ticket. Then he comes up to us and just looks at us. He looks at me. Then he looks at you. Then he looks at me. Then he moves on. And I was like, what the fuck just happened here? And explain to me, explain to everyone listening what happened, John. I said to you, I said, he doesn't know which one of us he charged. And he's too afraid to ask which one of us he charged. And he's even (laughs) more afraid to ask the wrong one of us to pay again. (laughs) And I tell him, I'm like, if I can get on before the conductor sees me, I'll sit next to another brown person. And it works. Four out of five times it works. Oh, my God. It was so funny because you explained it to me and I was like, God, that makes sense. Like, it was just one of those, like, I can't believe that that just happened. And I was just mind blown for the rest of the ride. And the the funny thing is, the next year, or, or, or later that year, I think it came up for a concert. It happened again. Another black guy. He gets on and he goes like, do you mind scooting over? I'm like, no, I get it. I know the plan now. I know the plan. And then the guy comes by again, looks at us, and keeps on moving. And and the guy sitting next to me, he he gave me two dollars, like two or three dollars, was like half the price of my ticket. And I was like, ah, this is just amazing. You know, you know, you know where I learned that trick too. Where I I learned that trick when I was going. Um, come, when I first come to Boston and I was taking a train back in from the city at like, I'd taken an early train, like a 5.30 train in, had an early interview and then was coming back into Salem to have another interview. And on my ride back, um, this, uh, an Asian man sat next to another Asian man and the conductor walked in, looked at the two of them, couldn't tell them apart and just kept walking. And I was like, it's on. It's on. And then you told me that you had a partner or a buddy that used to do this with, like you would ride together or something. Yeah. So, but then he, what, he got a new job or something. Yeah. He got transferred (laughs) to another, got transferred to another location. And I was like, no, I'm going to have to start paying. (laughs) Cause we would basically pay every other day. Uh huh. And, and so I'd see him on Monday, I'd get on. If I didn't see him, I would just do my thing where I'd get on and I'd walk from one cart to the next cart so that I was never next to one a conductor. Cause where I'm at in the North Shore, the, the, the train stops happen really quickly. So it's only four stations to Salem. If I walk fast enough in between the trains, I never had to pay, but yeah, it, no, it's, it, the black one was the easiest one. It was, and it worked almost every time. Right. So, uh, do you have a, another example? Um, well, one of my favorite ones, and I'm, I'm actually going to steal, I'm not partially stealing one of yours, but I'm partially also revealing something to, to people. Okay. Um, so, 
you put not being bothered in stores in our show notes for those of you who can't see that. But for me, it's a, it's a little bit further. Like, you know, cause there's, is one weird thing that happens to me in stores and it only happens when, during the work week when I'm dressed, um, in my business attire. Um, I work a corporate job, so I wear collared shirts, sometimes ties, whatever. And occasionally I won't bring my lunch and I'll go to like, the grocery store to get a salad or something from the salad bar or maybe like, you know, a microwavable rice that I can put in with some chicken I brought from home. And for some odd reason, people always ask me where things are as if I work in the store, regardless of whether or not I'm like, like for instance, there's a store here called Shaw's and all the people wear purple shirts except for the managers who wear shirts and ties. And so whenever – and this occasionally happens whenever I've been in Shaw's where someone would be like, excuse me, sir. Do you know if this is on sale? Or do you know where this is? And part of me is like, bitch, I don't work here. I don't have a tag on. And the other part is me like, oh, you think I'm a manager who's running this place. <laughs> I don't know if I should be insulted or if I should feel good about myself. I'm just going to tell you I don't work here. Yeah, yeah. But uh- – but along the lines of, okay, go ahead. I was gonna say, but along the lines of the not being bothered in stores. So one of the things that happens, and I'm sure this happens everywhere, are whenever you're walking into a grocery store or out of a grocery store, high school fundraisers, Boy Scouts fundraisers, all those things. You know, kids asking you for money, basically. As a black person, especially living in a in the Northeast in a mostly white area, people never ask me for money. Ever when I'm walking out, like it'll be like a junior hockey team, and they'll ask everybody, and I walk by, and it's just like quiet. But my rule is, if any of those kids ask me for money, I will donate them. I will give them money. Oh, me too. I will. You know, I'm an introvert, and so I don't like to be bothered. Like, you know, I like to do what I need to do, get in and out of the store, right? So, like, I don't get bothered by employees trying to upsell me something or 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 get me to try some cologne or or crap like that and and i know part of that is because they don't think that the black guy is gonna you know be up with that i get the racism behind that but as an introvert i like that i like not having to be bothered by the guy ringing that stupid bill every christmas for you know donations and and i know how bad that sounds but I like to not be bothered by them or the Girl Scouts cookies, you know, like cookie season comes around. I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to have to walk past these kids they are going to bug me about buying cookies. But I don't get bugged. And you know what? I'm OK with that. You know, that it's worked out in my favor. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I got to say it is one of my favorite things, just knowing that, like, oh, you're, you're trying to get me to buy your candy bars. No, you're not going to talk to me. And then when they do, I'm like, shit, it's all right. What am, what am I buying? What am I buying? <laughs> um, I will say another one, uh, one of, one of my favorite things, our favorite stereotypes that works in my favor is, um, being, especially being a bigger black guy, guys don't mess with you in bars. Like if you bump into somebody or someone bumps into you, they like turn around and they see you're a bigger black guy and they're like, Hey, what's up, man? Sorry, brother. And they just keep on going. <laughs> right. 
And regardless of the, the fact of whether I look like I'm like I'm a jailhouse brawler or something like that, just keep on going. And girls, especially when I was in college, girls just love you because they're like, oh, he's a big cuddly bodyguard, you know. And guys, like I said, guys want to be your friend over being your enemy. So that is um, that's one I have indulged in, especially in allow people to have whatever fancy they think. When it comes to it, especially if it's a guy in a, oh man, my bad, my bad, man. Hey, can I buy you a drink? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do that, bro. You do that. Right. <laughs> yeah, there have been times where I've been walking in like a shady place. I'm like, oh God, I'm scared. And then I realize, oh wait, I'm the one that everyone's afraid of. So, you know, it's just like, I mean, it's, again, it's a horrible thing, you know, racism and stereotypes, but sometimes, you know, it, it works out because like, I'm not worried about, like my safety in certain situations. Mm-hmm. Because I know everyone's more afraid of me. Yeah. Or if you get an elevator to yourself. Uh... Oh, God, beautiful. <laughs> or, although, when I get into an elevator, so here's the thing. If I'm the only person in an elevator with, like, a young, skinny white woman, mm-hmm. like, I try and get as far away as I can. Really, you do that thing? See, I'm the exact opposite. I will. I'm not going to encroach on their space or anything like that, but, you know, like, I'm not going to move out of the way or anything like that. Just oh, no, no. I'm safer. not going to, like, sidestep. Like, if I walk into the elevator and yeah. they're there, I'm like, you're on your side, I'm on my side. And I have my, and I have my cell phone open, and I'm just like, I'm looking into my cell phone, not, nothing misconstrued, nothing like that. Okay, I want to bring up one that is kind of this, and you know, obviously, you know, we're, we're kind of tongue in cheek, but this one is one of those kind of um, double edged sword kind of things. It's one of those where you're like, it, it's a win, but not a win type thing, you know. And and what I mean by that is the low bar to impress, you know. Because, oh, you mean you mean the uh, backhanded the backhanded uh, what's it called compliment? Some uh, along those lines, but you know, like for instance, the fact that we're both in our mid thirties and we don't have kids, and you tell people that, and they're like, "In fucking pressed," you know, like, my God, you guys are just <laughs> you got a good head on your shoulder type bullshit, you know, and it's like, oh my God, yes. Sometimes you're like, you take it as a compliment. It's one of the things, maybe, is who's saying it, how they're saying it. You know, because, like, in the dating scene, to be single and not have kids at this age, there are some people that are just, like, that's an easy in, you know? But then at the same time, you're, like, you're kind of impressed by racist terms, so I know that this relationship is not going to last. <laughs> yeah, you know it, I mean? it, it, it it is tough because – and then the thing about it is, like, and it's not even coming just from, like, potential, like – mates or stuff like that just from like people in general um i remember especially and i will say as i've gotten older i mean obviously i'm married so it's it's was less of an issue but i remember when i was like in like 18 19 and people would be like oh you don't have any kids does your brother have any kids and i'm like no why would he have (laughs) kids exactly although i'll tell you the one that i hated the most sort of hated the most and it's one of the ones that still rubs me wrong, and and I just sort of have to let it go, especially now at work. Um, 
in my department, uh, my department's only like four people deep and we're all really like three different departments that just happens to have one person who watches over all of us. So I often get stuck for our, our department, like speaking at meetings, doing briefings because my boss is. Oh God, I know where you're going. You're so and well-spoken. So you're so well-spoken. And like when I was a kid, especially growing up down south, that was like the worst insult you could tell, tell me. Like, yeah. Because you're basically assuming is, I took it as you're saying I shouldn't be able to speak well. Exactly. And, and, but you know, it's one of those things that, um, in college for my major, I had to take, uh, a few, uh, electives. One of them was public speaking. So I took cause I knew it would be an easy A. And the teacher stopped me after class, the first speech I gave, cause you know, everyone had to write a speech and I was just like, yeah, I'll do it. So I just gave, got up there and just, you know, I had memorized pretty much what I wanted to say. So I didn't go up with the paper or anything, read my speech. And he's like, you're so well-spoken. And I was just like, Ugh. he's like, no, no, I don't mean that. Like, I know why you get that reaction. I don't mean that like that. He's like, I, I mean that in the sense that he's like everyone else. Um, most people who take this class take it because they are bad at public speaking. I had spent a while since I've had a good public speaker who has come in and knows what they're doing. And he basically asked, you know, when we do group things, will you help me with, you know, will you help sort of be a leader so that I can help the people who are really struggling. And so, you know, from that like conversation with him, and he ended up being my advisor um, later on for my history degree. Um, it's one of those things where I'm like, I gotta, I gotta take think more about the person who's saying it more than the phrase itself. Yeah, because like our I I gave a speech um, or I did a presentation last week for our quality improvement and our CEO, our CFO, our CIO are all on that committee. And I basically talked about an initiative I had done that helped save our company like 30,000 plus in the first quarter. And I gave, you know, did the whole presentation. I had to run through it because the meeting ended up running behind. And afterwards, you know, the CEO came by my office and was like, that was a really great presentation. Um, You did really good. You're a very well-spoken person. Um, when we have, if we have to do that presentation for the board meeting, uh, would it be okay if I asked your supervisor if you would present that instead of having him present it? Uh-huh. Which you know he doesn't know. That my supervisor has no idea about the project, so I would be the person doing it anyways. But like, you know, that is a, one example of how that phrase is being used properly because he honestly is saying, you know. In our company, you are one of the better speakers, as opposed to being like, "Oh, I can't believe you're black and you, you don't talk with the, you know, like a thug." Okay, um, why don't you give one more, and then uh, we'll uh, wrap up a bit. Well, I would say my favorite, and I don't even know if this is like um, a stereotype, but maybe it's just a fun way of breaking the way people see stereotypes. Um, it's just being uh, what I would say. Uh, I don't even know. Just not being the 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 opposite of the stereotypical black guy. Like, you know, my favorite rock groups are, or my favorite music is like rock, classic rock, punk. You know, I love ska and and I like metal to a degree. Yeah, I I'm not a big fan of lots of country, but like I like old school country and bluegrass. And you know, it's nice being a person of color, especially a black person, and 
shattering people's expectations of like what they expect of you like having people be like yo man do you hear that new drake and i'm like one i don't like drake two i don't really listen to rap outside of like my niche of like uh you know lyricists or like nerd black nerd rap stuff like that you know so in protest rap so it's nice being able to shatter people's um views of stereotypes mm-hmm. but even more so there's nothing better than like almost disturbing another black person like an ignorant black person oh yes <laughs> like that is my fucking shit that makes me feel almost better than like embarrassing a racist almost better embarrassing a racist is still number one but just below it it's just like bursting the bubble of a bigoted person of color black what how how whatever that all those people in that category who are like oh we're the same things you're on we're on the same side and you're like no no i'm no no yeah i, I think exactly what you're talking about and it kind of along those lines um and I'm, I'm gonna use this as my last one and and this might get my black card taken away but i'm gonna talk about it the black card <laughs> <laughs> You know, sometimes you'll just be in a situation that, you know, for whatever reason is is just like it's a bad situation. You want to get out or or you want to expedite what's going on. Like, for instance, you know, maybe you're you're in line or something at, at a restaurant or I'm not in line, but you got your check for your restaurant and then they they automatically put the gratuity on there. And then you're like. That's not something they do. And I'm not talking about like they put the gratuity on there because there were 10 people there. But I'm talking about they put the gratuity on there and were like three or four of you. And you're like, I know what's going on here. So, you know, you play the black card. You're like, why did you put the gratuity on here? I want to speak to the manager. And then they come out of there and bend over backwards trying to not make this something that goes viral <laughs> the internet or some shit like that you know and then you end up getting i don't know maybe you get a meal out of it or or a free dessert or some shit like that you know it's like it again it's because it you know it only happened because there was race involved and it just came out on your favor you know and you know there aren't many opportunities where you can use a black card but then you know when you can oh god it's fucking sweet oh my god you gotta slam it down like like you're playing dominoes (laughs) <laughs> i will say this um one of my favorite things also about the whole the black card i love when people because i i was uh, a service a food service worker so you know i waited tables i did a few bartending jobs i know what it's like to live on tips and when someone sees me and they're like oh he's black he's not gonna tip well and then they put like 15 or 12 percent gratuity on i love that shit because i'm like you just lost yourself money i'm a 20 percent tip guy like you gotta do a lot to not get 20 percent for me because that's just and that's the the minimum because i yeah. know so if you're like if you treat me like that i'm like you shut yourself in the foot and i'll write it on a note and tell you Right, and the thing about it too is you don't actually have to mention race. You could just say something like, "I know what this is about. I know what this. I know why this happened." You know, they're like, "Oh shit! Oh no! Oh shit. God! No! 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 <laughs> no, no, no. no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, no. It's and that's the thing. Like, and and I'm, I, I, I'm a, I should be, and I'm kind of ashamed about it. But then at the same time, it's like when when you have to deal with racism on a constant basis. That's you know when you can make it work for you. 
I should be ashamed about that, but I mean, there have been times when I've used the card when I knew I was wrong, and and I know I sh I shouldn't be okay with that, but I'm like, if it's a card, you know, that's the hand I'm dealt. Exactly. You know, and, and when people complain about people using quote unquote the race card or the black card, I'm like, well, if you don't want me to use the card, stop handing it to me. That's, exactly. That's Not only that. Get you get rid of that privilege that you get to live with twenty four seven, and yeah. I will get rid of the race card I use once every three hundred sixty five days. Right, because it's not like you can use it a lot because you just can't. Exactly, I can't use that every day. I would try. Trust me, I would. <laughs> just, I would just be speeding around, speeding around town. Woo right. woo! Race card, sir. You just pulled me over because I'm black. Look at that person who's driving white. Uh-huh, yeah. that's right. Get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't. Well, before we go, uh, move on to our, our last segment. John, he's, there was one last, uh, I guess um, we'll call it benefit of racism. So <laughs> go, ahead, go ahead and talk about that. Well, so one of the benefits of um, of of being black is – the almost universal belief, um, and I don't know if this is scientifically true or not. I don't know how you go about measuring this. I mean, I know it's true the, for me. <laughs> I definitely know it's true for me. And based on the women I've been with, this is what is evidently it's true. Um, the idea that black men have bigger penises are the biggest penis. And I can tell you in college, that would get you some play. Not just in college, it got me some play, but like if black fellows out there, um, you know, if you're a little insecure or whatever, you know, go out there and slag that thing because <laughs> and as a person who's as a person who's married to a white woman, I can tell you there are is a whole population of women out there who want to who he, either a believe he, it. He, I'm just I'm just going to warn you right now that you're you're, you're coming close to a line. A who sure will believe it. <laughs> you don't cross that line. And B, who want to know if that stereotype is true or not. It's all, all I'm, that's yeah. all I'm saying. <laughs> that is, once again, a benefit of racism because, you know, I think, I think a lot of black guys who have dated white women or do date white women have dated the, you know, they've been with women that you know the only reason that you're with them is because they're trying to figure out if it's true, you know. They're trying to figure out if you go black Guilty. or go back, you know. And Guilty. I mean, when I was younger, I was okay with that, but I don't know. As you get older, you kind of you, you realize that it's not cool, and and that's just one of those things of youth, you know. Um, like, well, I I I think it's it depends on what it depends on what type of relationship. Because if yeah. you're in a relationship, then no, that's not cool. But if you're just like out at the bar. Oh, yeah. Looking for something strange? Then yeah. I mean, I can tell you in college, I have been, I have heard the phrase, I've always wanted to be with a black guy. I had a girl <laughs> tell me she wanted to sleep with a black guy because her dad told her that, that she shouldn't. And she's like, and he's an asshole and everything he said is wrong. Oh, so oh, this so must be wrong too. I feel like we've both dated the same woman. The, I'm getting bad at, back at dad oh the revenge yeah i'm i'm and trust me when i was in college like yeah let's make dad real mad tell him we did it four times in a night <laughs> your <sighs> dad's gonna be so mad 
But yeah, so I, I, I think about like the, the plus, the, like the, the top level, uh, stereotypes for each race. Like, you know, if you're Asian, you're, especially if you're Chinese or Japanese, you're good at math. Are you no martial arts? You know, if you're white, you supposedly have good credit. Are you non-threatening? You know, uh, being super athletic and having a big penis, like, those are all physical traits, but I mean, you can make them work. <laughs> but hopefully, the, you know, soon, I think, I think, especially considering how many, how, like, interracial dating and marriage is no longer a taboo and it's like so commonplace it's people don't even make a big deal about it anymore so like those things are gonna go away you know people are gonna i I think that stereotype is probably gonna go away soon like i couldn't imagine that our kids would you know that that would still be around when and i don't and when i say our kids i mean everybody else's kids because i'm not yeah definitely yeah (laughs) god willing god willing i like money Uh, too yeah, but uh, good stereotypes or, or not, I, I think uh, we shall overcome. And, and let's move on to our last segment. We shall overcome. Deep in my heart, I do believe we shall overcome. <laughs> God, those transitions are beautiful. Uh, maybe we need to change the name of the segment because it's hard to. <laughs> I, mean... I, I, I personally love it. And it's easier to do when we're talking about a serious topic, but you know, when we're talking about the the upside of racism, it's hard to overcome the upside of racism. Reg, you cannot take you cannot take the choir away from the listeners. You can't take it away from But I I wanted to end this show on a little mini rant on the weak minded alpha male men's rights activist dudes. Now, recently, uh, Wonder Woman came out, was the top grossing movie, was one of the highest grossing movies. Uh, one, have have uh, you of seen the, it yet? I have not seen it. I'm going to Shame see it. Shame on you. Listen, I was busy last week. We were busy every single day. I'm busy every single day t- this week. I got a charity event tomorrow, but I'm going to try and get up and see it early tomorrow morning. So, yeah, I, I'm working on it. Anyways... Uh, prior to the release, I think it was the day before, there were, um, there was a all women's showing of Wonder Woman, the first solo major female, um, hero, heroine, um, in really the modern era. And, and so. And when you say modern, you know, you have to think about it. We're just talking about like. Basically, it's all a film. Dark Knight, you know, for, because you know what? It, it um, occurred to me that we have had female-led superhero movies. Uh, you know, there's Elektra and, and uh, Catwoman. Oh, good God. I know. Well, I'm just saying. But the first continue. good one. The first right, the good, first good one. one. Um, anyways, and of course, uh, the weak, spineless men of the internet and the world had to come and shout their objections. Reg, I believe uh, you had a former friend who who saw this as discrimination of the highest level and hypocritical. Um, yeah, it, former friend. It blows my mind to hear the way 
and this speaks really to really the dysfunction in our species. The way the people on top who have everything complain when the people who aren't them get one little thing. You know, it's like it literally is one movie. The first movie where it's about the strength of a not even the fact that it's the strength of a woman, but it just displays her prowess, her expertise and her elevated status. And everyone's flipping out like in this series. There have already been two Superman movies, numerous Numerous Batman Batman movies. How many movies has Spider-Man have Captain America, all these other heroes? And these dudes come out and act as if it's discriminatory, A, to one, promote this, and B, to not allow guys in to see it, instead of being, like, celebrating and saying how much of an achievement it is for this segment of people. And and what else about that is funny is that, like, it's not like these guys couldn't see the movie. Like, there weren't other showings. This was just like a, you know, because there are girls night out things and, and, uh, you know, uh, ladies get in the bar for free type stuff that happens all the time. It's like, you don't hear them complaining about it, but this is the thing that they, they want to act like they're, something's being taken from them. The thing that makes me most upset about it is just like, step outside of your realm, which I guess will require them to pull their heads out of their own asses. But imagine, take this, take the symbol of a strong feminine and replace it with something else. Like say, would you have had this much of, of an issue if when Schindler's List came out, they had one, they had a showing that's just for, uh, either Holocaust survivors or families of Holocaust survivors? Of course you wouldn't. If Amasad came out and you knew that there were people who were living survivors, and and you made a mo- and you had a showing just for them. Would that be discriminatory? Of course not. It's like you are so feeble and weak-minded and spineless that the mere idea of a woman being equal or greater than a man in anything drives you crazy. It's one yeah. of those things. Like, no, go ahead. Yeah, it's it's just funny that like when the status quo gets disrupted and and they're no longer, I guess in the eye and top dog like it's a problem like like these were the same people who were complaining that well all the new star wars movies have female leads but they had no problem when all the other ones had male leads you know they're the ones complaining they're like well why is the empire nothing but white folks but then they had no problem with the rebellion and the empire and the original world nothing but white folks you know it's like it's just it's funny how these things pop up and, and and what they complain about and when they complain about it. And, like, not to paint a broad brush, but, like, I'm tired of these dudes who also seem to often be alt-right assholes, like, coming through and basically trying to keep America in 1950. Right. Where it's just, like, white male dominated and everyone else is just happy to be a bit role player or part of the background scenery. It's like, these are the same people who wanted to boycott the new Mad Max because Furiosha was a strong lead. And it's like, you guys are the type of people that we need to eject into the vacuum of space. <laughs> like, if you weren't on this planet anymore, our society, our species would probably be able to evolve. And I understand that, like, there are examples of this in more extreme in other countries. And yes, yes obviously this is trivial. But, like... These fucking asshole alt-right men's rights activists like Richard Spencer are the motherfuckers who are talking about, like, let's fight them in the street. Let's fight them in the street. And then when they get punched in the face, they're like, hee, 
hit me. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's hard to deal with. Yeah. And I'm, I'm every time they rage and, and act out and, 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 you know, tear up. I, I love it. I enjoy every moment of it because these are the same people who want to call people, you know, snowflakes and stuff like that. And they're like the most sensitive people. And, and I, you know, when, when they cried out and were crying and, and whining about uh, Alamo's uh, screening for Wonder Woman, I enjoyed every moment of it. Um, and let's move on to our, our very last segment. What you talking about, Willis? What you talking about, Willis? Well, we talk about just something, you know, end up on a on a, on a good note or a, a something that we just want to talk about. And I'm going to talk about The Mountain Between Us. What is that? It's a movie. Uh, it is Elba's new movie. Um, and it looks like it's a, a survival movie. It just Elba's in it with um, uh, Kate Winslet. And I saw the trailer for it and I, it doesn't normally i probably would not see a movie like this but idris elba i'll see anything that he's in and i'm guilty of that and i don't care because he's one of my favorite actors he could be in a movie where he and morgan freeman and and michael kane and a bunch of others are just reading a phone book and i'll i'll plop down ten dollars for that also not to um don't underrate kate winslet who is an amazing actress she looks great in that movie and when I saw the preview, I saw you post it, I was like, I don't know about this. And by the end of it, I was like, yep, I want in on this. Mm-hmm. So definitely go and check that out. And also make sure you see him in The Dark Tower. That movie is going to be amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Idris doing but, his thing. <clears throat> that's going to be it for Brother to Brother. Uh, you can find John at on Twitter at TempeWMF. And you can find Reg on Twitter at Hydanas, H-I-D-D-A-N-A-S. And we're also on at my humble, uh, at my humble opinion. Good God. In my humble opinion, Which, or I am H-O podcasts.com. <laughs> you don't even know the website. You, I know. See, this is why I do all the show notes. Cause these guys, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, in my humble opinion, which of course, if you're listening to this show, you'll probably listen to it on that feed. Um, because we're gonna, you know, keep doing this. Uh, when we get about episode 10 or so, uh, we'll probably split it off into its own feed. Cause by then, one of us will figure out how to do that. We're lazy. Yep. You know, so. I've been moving, I'm sorry! <laughs> I've got no excuses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, but until next time, um, thanks for listening. Bye, everyone. Stay woke!